Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Milani. This week on the Connected Communication Podcast, I had the pleasure and honour of speaking to a DNI trailblazer on the Irish scene. Well, international and Irish scene, Furkan Karayel. She's a multi-award winning diversity and inclusion speaker and author of the best-selling book, Inclusive Intelligence, How to Be a Role Model for Diversity and Inclusion in the Workplace. Furkan shared with us her experience of having to make the incredibly difficult decision to leave her dream job as a software engineer in Ireland because there was a moment when she had to step back and realise that even if she had set up the company, she was never going to be promoted into the role of her dreams. Why? Because although organisations talk about diversity and inclusion and on the face of things, make it appear that they're doing something about it, telling us that high percentages of their workforce are women, the numbers really are just being used as marketing tools. And then the back end women are not being given the same opportunities as men. We dive into the reality of what's happening for women in the tech industry and other industries in Ireland and beyond. Why diversity and inclusion feel like an attack to people who are sitting in high chairs at the top of the organisation and what makes them stop wanting to be brave enough to take the steps to do something about it. Just before we dive into the conversation, I'd like firstly to say thank you to those of you who keep coming back week on week to listen to the podcast and to welcome anybody who's new to the podcast. Please hit the subscribe or follow button, review and share the episodes with those you think will resonate or will benefit from hearing our conversations. Don't forget, there is a link in the show notes for you to jump over and use the welcome 50 code to join my online platform. Membership is going to close at the end of September and I'm going to change it a little bit. So take this opportunity now to dive in, get on calls with me and take your speaking, communication and presentation skills to the level you know you can achieve. Okay, let's get into the conversation with Furkan. Furkan, welcome to the show. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. That's perfect. Thank you so much, Christine, for, for the kind invitation. I'm delighted oh, to be here today. I'm delighted to have you here. The first thing I'd like to ask you is, and it comes from something that I read you had talked about, diversity and inclusion are just marketing buzzwords. What did you mean when you said that? Yes, that's a very good point. Thanks for asking this. And I think it definitely catches an attention so why did I say this is, yes, diverse inclusion is just a buzzword without action. Mm. Okay. So if we are only talking about diverse inclusion, but we are not doing anything about it, and if we are not having any strategy, if we don't have partners, if we don't have people working on diverse inclusion within our teams, within our organization, yes, these are the phrases that are just on air. It doesn't land into strong pillars and it actually means nothing to the company and uh, it means nothing to the 
employees as well. That is the point I wanted to really make. So action is the most important thing when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Okay. Okay. Well, what made you start talking about this, come out with this probably quite, not maybe controversial, but jolting statement? Mm-hmm. So, because I've seen it many times in my life that it's been only talked about it, but the action piece miss- is missing. Uh, coming back to my experience working in uh, multinational tech companies in Ireland as a software engineer, I was always back then, uh, most of the time, diverse inclusion wasn't even mentioned at all. So I started working. And I was sometimes the only woman in the team, sometimes the only non-native English speaker, sometimes the only Muslim in the team, sometimes only that, the only this. So you get an understanding of what makes you uh, different from others in many different ways. For example, your your manager's approach to you comparing to other people is completely different. And you sense that. And on the other side, uh, in the final years of my actually software career, I've seen that, yes, the companies were always sponsoring for diverse and inclusion events. They were talking so much about women in tech. But when I wanted to um, see some you know, action, okay, what about this? Can we do actually, not in the uh, criticizing way, but it's like, okay, we actually talk about this. Is there anything we can do? an action uh, or a policy or any uh, practicality towards what we are saying, it was always pushed back. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when we were talking about, you know, other friends, and I've seen this was being repeated over and over again. And uh, I said, you know what, Furkan, you can't just sit down and complain about it. You have to do something about it. So this was a big wake-up call for me. And uh, I said, uh, I don't know what I'm going to bring out to the world to tackle this, but what I can do at least to try and sh- show my real intention on how to bring action. Then I also collected experts uh, from different parts of the world, from different experience and areas of diverse inclusion we gathered together to provide really good action-oriented solutions to companies. That's how it actually came out to um, uh, came out as a product, came out as as my company, and I learned so much out of this experience that I don't, uh, you know, when I look back and I think I made one of the best decisions of my life making that yes. I need to make that change happening. I can't just wait someone else to take action. Wow. So you were in what I understand was your dream job. You'd achieved uh, the master's degree that you'd wanted. You were working as a software engineer in Ireland in, as you said, a big tech firm. But you recognized not only were you being made to feel like the only one in so many different respects, but you were hearing these words being used and a fancy face maybe being put on by these companies, but not seeing any real action. Every time you wanted to see action or do something, you just got pushed back and quietened down. So you you took it in your hands. 
Yeah, I give you an example, uh, Christine, that, mm. for example, um, yes, we are talking about uh, women in tech. Then looking at the organization's boards, how many women we have in leadership? Mm. And then uh, how, okay, maybe some organizations are really proud that they have like maybe 30% <laughs> uh, they workforce uh, with women. But what about uh, interns? So they probably have a big number of them with graduates, interns from um, from women. So it is, again, being used as a marketing tool, unfortunately, to make the numbers look good. But why are women not skilled as, as, as much as men? So this is the first question you would ask. Of course, women are as intelligent, as skilled, as confident as men. But the biggest problem is people who are there on the top, they don't uh, give the opportunity, the same opportunity to women, to underrepresented people as much as they give it to men. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, you see this all the time and you see, you know, what are the employee retention rates when people come to they leave very, uh, you know, do they leave very frequently? And what are the reasons why they are actually moving? Uh, Yes, in the last year, we have seen a lot of um, layoffs and redundancies. But before that, we had plenty of job opportunities in tech and moving from one organization to another. Mm, Particularly in Ireland, you know, for anyone who's not listening in Ireland, and doesn't know much about the tech scene in Ireland. We are the European hub, essentially, for many of those big tech companies. There, there's mm-hmm. definitely there was no shortage of opportunities. Yeah. Yes. So you see people moving from one com- uh, company to another, and uh, the other thing you you would uh, see from people who are moving actually a lot is. Uh, you know, in in, in between friends, you talk about it, but within the organization level, they don't talk about the inequalities that they face. For mm-hmm. example, why they came over to Ireland to have you know better job opportunities for themselves and then for their kids' future as well. And uh, their job, their residency depends on this job. Their uh, kids' schools, education depends on this. So they don't want to risk it. They don't give any... Uh, negative feedback they just move so that is the easiest thing they do then they keep moving they keep moving and uh, you only hear these conversations when you are really talking in like um, you know personal level between friends and I also had uh, friends Christine that they tell me some stories and they say Furkan please don't share this Mm. please promise to not to share I say you know what it's worth to share if you don't want me to share it. Yes, of course, I'm not going to share any names or anything, but these things need, uh, to, be need to be shared and need to be understood that yeah. the organizations need some action, need uh, visible commitment and accountability when it comes to diverse inclusion. It just can't, uh, you know, uh, stay like this. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know we connected initially on LinkedIn and we talked a little bit about my master's, which I did in 2015. At the time, I had been teaching English as a a foreign language. 
I'm not a big lover of the whole native speaker term. You can hear me talk about or advocate against it in one of my podcast episodes because I think it's loaded with bias. But at the time, I wasn't in that same state of mind. But I did understand that there was something happening in Ireland that was blocking people coming in and getting jobs, getting into the roles that they wanted to get into. And that's back in 2015. So I did my thesis on immigrants to Ireland whose first language wasn't English and the factors which blocked them from employment. Me thinking it was going to be language barriers and that I would really see evidence of language barriers. What I found was that one, like you've you've mentioned, people coming in with qualifications, looking for good jobs with for better lives for them, their families and their children. Over 37% of people had PhDs. And the second was that it wasn't actually so much the language barrier, it was the bias, mm-hmm. the, the negative bias against people and that block to being given opportunities. So to hear that in 2023, it's still the same maybe are happening at, in such a, such a degree, to such a degree, is disheartening. Mm-hmm. But why do you think that is? What's the reason you think that one, the opportunities are still being blocked? Mm-hmm. And to nobody's doing anything. Not nobody, because you are, and I am, I hope. <laughs> and, and, and there are, of course, others who are doing something about it. But okay, let me let me stop. I'm going to take the, separate the questions. Firstly, <laughs> <laughs> what's the reason you think there are still blocks mm-hmm. to these opportunities? First of all, people got used to it. So it's more comfortable not to take action. Uh, taking action means change. It means expanding. It means vulnerability. It means accountability. Uh, accepting your wrongdoings. Accepting what needs to be done. It's a lot of hassle mm. for people. So people choose the short path, path and uh, and just don't do anything about it. Uh, that is convenient. And on the other side, people learn these things from their previous leaders as well. We adapt to the leadership style of our, um, you know, the previous or the first leader that we worked with. Uh, that, you know, that has a big influence on us. And we learn it from others. Then we <laughs> unfortunately take it as this is the leadership this is the way it was done before, and I need to continue doing this as well. It takes courage. Absolutely. It absolutely does. Do you think there's a misunderstanding of the meaning of the words diversity and inclusion, particularly amongst those who I'm going to label here, but who are maybe white, Irish, have never experienced the type of exclusion of being in another country where they don't know the language, they don't look the same, they don't eat the same, they don't sound the same, they don't have the same feelings. Do you think Do you think that the words are, are just not fully understood? Uh, I agree with you. They are not fully understood. And it is actually being taught as, um, as an attack. Uh, it's an attack on your seat, for example. Oh, what do you mean? Yeah. Uh, for example, if we want more diversity, then means maybe my role in the leadership will be gone. I will be replaced by somebody. So yeah. it's, it's a threat that they are, I think, some people are afraid of. And 
in my talks as well, I always make sure that this is my definition of diverse and inclusion. Diversity is you because you are unique. Inclusion is accepting you because you matter. So it doesn't matter how you look. Maybe your difference is from, uh, your difference is invisible. You think of it diversity is actually you. It is nothing to do with others. It's about you. And on the other side, uh, when people, you know, feel like attacked, uh, I, I make sure that, you know, this is not an attack on anyone. Right. Don't feel treated. This is to make your job easier. This is to make your, uh, you know, team performance, company, revenue, everything to make it better. That you solve unsolved um, problems and it's going to be easier for you to communicate better. It's going to be easier for you to tackle any communication issues with people from maybe different cultural backgrounds or anybody really. And not to underestimate that there are different uh, type of per personalities, the, the way that we weave the world, for example, introversion, extroversion. Uh, you know, when if you are an introvert like myself, being in a room with so many extroverts, that also feels so isolated. This, this is also the diversity that I'm talking about. It's more holistic. It's beyond gender. And uh, it is more, we are, we people are more complex uh, than that, only gender view or culture view or uh, sexual orientation. No, we are more complicated than that. And we need to see it in a holistic way rather than only focusing on, okay, let's, put gender into the front line and we are going to solve the gender first then we are going to move into culture then to race and these are the things i always hear all the time what about you you again the second that, that episode i talked about with um me talking about native speakerism i have a tagline in it and the tagline that i use in it is to unite in celebration of our differences and i think that kind of encompasses what you have just said I, I agree with you completely. We we are all different. Every one of us is different. We all have different brains. Each person's brain is unique. Each person's life experience is unique. We all have different lenses. But that doesn't mean that we can't get on and understand each other and recognize the other person on the other side of the communication engagement and work in a way that can bring everyone together. It's what I mean by connected communication. And I wonder if it's what you mean by inclusive intelligence. I believe that's the title of your, your book and the work that you do. Yes. So uh, I tell you a little bit about the backstory of how it actually got shaped, uh, if that's okay. Please, yes. So uh, many, many organizations um, that I've seen still now are only focusing on empowering underrepresented people. Why? Because they have less power. We need to empower them. We need to mentor them. We need to do, they need to do something to get there. So my view on diversity and inclusion is more than the people uh, underrepresented, leaders' bias needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. So 
because when I was working, I, I, I'm someone who doesn't give up. You know, if I have seen something that I didn't get, then I put the blame on me. I need to do better. I could have done better. I could have done better. So uh, at some stage, I burned out. And it's because I realized that if I invented, if I invented Google, they were not going to promote me on the, onto the role that I wanted. So it was so hard to come into this uh, conclusion. So a, the inclusive intelligence says that uh, we focus on leaders and their understanding of uh, inclusion and how they can actually enable uh, the potentials of their teams as well as their own values, their own uh, awareness, enhancing their own awareness so that their teams will be uh, easier, uh, easy to communicate each other. We have interviewed uh, to understand what makes a leader inclusive leader. Mm -hmm. uh, we interviewed people from different parts of the world. They have different ethnic backgrounds. They don't know each other and they do different jobs. So what we have seen that some leaders were naturally so good at inclusion. And uh, then we have seen these leaders had six skills in common. Mm -hmm. They were self-awareness, empathy, engagement, cultural wisdom, accountability, and commitment. So uh, in, on each chapter of the book, I talked about how these leaders and their stories on implementing inclusion on their day-to-day -day activities uh, and with their authentic values, with, with their authenticity makes a difference and made them the role models on diversity and inclusion and become an inclusive leader. So even though I talk about empathy from one leader to another, empathy, the way that they implement is actually different. Absolutely. But they found their own way authentically, mm -hmm. and nobody told them what to do or how to do it. It is them who took the initiative to make some changes. They have gone through a long way uh, identifying their own biases, what they can actually do, how can they actually challenge the status quo, and how to take the long path when it comes to inclusion rather than taking the, okay, maybe uh, I'm not giving a, a short list of uh, maybe one out of five in my short list of uh, candidates for this new role. They take the challenge and go through why we have a broken system. What can we do to change that blockage for people to make our teams more diverse and more inclusive? So this is uh, the concept of inclusive intelligence. It's the meeting point of emotional intelligence and inclusive leadership. Beautiful. Beautiful. Love it. Very, very interesting research. You make me think about the model of communication that I use in, in my coaching. And the first element that you mentioned there was self-awareness. I base it on four pillars of awareness, self-awareness, brain awareness. So awareness of our own brains and 
our own threat responses, our emotional intelligence, our emotional regulation, and the brains mm-hmm. of others and mm-hmm. their emotions and how they feel and, and managing and working with them. Mm-hmm. Linguistic awareness, our awareness of our own language, the language we use, the language of others, and cultural awareness. And all those four come together, encompassing some of those uh, actually all of those areas that you've mentioned in your leaders as well wonderful when you you talked about this a a question comes to mind if you don't mind me exploring it a little bit with you and maybe this didn't come up I don't know in in your findings but of those leaders you found that exhibit the those skills Mm -hmm. were there any themes in terms of their life experience and what I mean by that is like had they suffered their own traumatic experiences of feeling excluded uh, or had they traveled a lot Had they worked in different countries and was there anything that united them in terms of experience that may have led them to having these skills very good point uh, Christine why because this mindset inclusion inclusive mindset it's not something that once you step into your office, it's on. And then once you get off, it's not off. <laughs> so it's very collective. And many of them, as you said, they have a personal story behind it, personal motivation. And uh, they they don't you know, uh, change and become a different person outside on their own life as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but interesting enough too, even some people who experienced being, uh, who had more, uh, you know, experience, experience comparing to other leaders who were living and grew up in a homogeneous uh, environment, it didn't necessarily make them inclusive or non-inclusive leaders. So there wasn't a direct correlation. Okay. So that's and where I, that self-awareness comes in, I suppose. Yes. The, the reflection and learning. It's key. Yes. It's key. Sorry, I yes. cut you off there. Absolutely. And as you said, the first thing is self-awareness because once that self-awareness door is closed, you know, the rest of the things we are talking, you know, it just didn't go through it. So we actually needed this self-awareness first, vulnerability, courage, ability to, you know, um, uh, talk about emotions and approachability and all of these things together and, you know, keep learning uh, about, about you, your values, about others' values and everything. Um, without that door is open, nothing is going in. So we yeah. need to keep that door open and uh, and this, you know, each time we learn something new uh, and enlightenment, enlightenment, then uh, it is making us a, a different person. Yeah. For the good. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. I really align completely with what you're saying and hope that these words are being heard by those whose doors are open and are maybe knocking down the doors <laughs> of some whose aren't open just yet. So you, you you said earlier on you decided to leave your organization 
you got a group of people together, other experts in the field from around the world, and you created Diversin. Is that how I pronounce it? Yes, Diversin. Diversin. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about that, what you're doing at the moment, what that means for the world? Mm -hmm. So we bring action-oriented diversity and inclusion solutions to organizations. So if they are, for example, you know, they would like their... Uh, leaders to be more inclusive, but they don't know how to do it, or uh, they would like to engage their international teams together, but they don't know how. So it's all about bringing practical steps and tangible tangible items and strategies to teams, to individuals, and to organizations on what they can actually do. And I always start with this ideal scenario. You know, just tell me about the organization or the team that, uh, or your, about yourself. You know, what is the ideal scenario in my in, in your mind about like, what does inclusion look like in your organization? Then we start working from there. Beautiful. Working from working with the end in mind. I said it to somebody on a call just a few hours ago. Start with the end in mind. Isn't that what we say? Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. well, you're certainly a trailblazer, as I know you have been given the title of by a, a couple of organizations. Uh, so that's what you're doing now. What's coming next for you? Mm-hmm. A, I'm working on a few projects. Uh, so I tell you one of the things that I haven't shared with anyone else. <laughs> oh, yes. I yes, love it. Yes. yes, it's a secret. Now I'm revealing it. <laughs> so this is going to be a, a, a game for inclusive intelligence challenge. Wow. It's a group game that we organize. So uh, in organizations as part of their uh, diverse inclusion in- initiatives, uh, they invite us. We always do some, you know, depends on what they are looking for. But this one is going to include some colorful cards that the teams are going to choose from each um, pillar of inclusive intelligence. For example, self-awareness, there are tons of questions in there. Empathy, engagement, cultural wisdom, all in different colors. So the groups are going to choose some colors and they're going to be discussing about that scenario uh, and start, you know, building action points and then, you know, learning from each other's experiences too. So this is the challenge game I'm designing now. And hopefully by September, it's going to be uh, active. Beautiful. So when it is, if you have a link to it, we can update the show notes from the podcast and put in the link so people who listen later on uh, maybe in September or afterwards can click down in the show notes and go and, and buy it? Or is it only going to be available through your trainers? Uh, it's going to be through, yes, us mm-hmm. at I- initially. And then if they like, you know, they can purchase it as well. But it, we are not there yet. But from September onwards, yeah. we are going to be including them from our workshops. Fantastic. Fantastic. You make me think of a lady I know. And if you'd like me to connect you with her, or maybe you know her already, I think she's based in Germany, but she's a professor of game theory. And uh, maybe game theory. Okay. Haven't haven't heard of uh, this before, but sounds exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're building games, you never know. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) where the connection comes in. Congratulations. How exciting is that? It sounds wonderful. And really 
engaging in terms of a training perspective for people in teams. I did training last year in a company, uh, cross-cultural training and, and awareness training, and I brought a cross-cultural quiz with me because everybody mm-hmm. loves a bit of challenge, as you I say. Know. <laughs> Beautiful. It's, it's nice. That's very exciting. Well, the best of luck with it. Um, There is one question that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. So I'm going to pose it to you before we start wrapping up, if I may. And that is, what does connected communication mean to you? It means not afraid to make, how to say, um, approachability from both sides and ability to express yourself in a in a um how to say without fear and without judgment to me that is connected communication thank you so much thank you so much what a wonderful conversation i think we could talk for a long long time about oh, yes, <laughs> yes. and you know what i'm 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 doing some podcasts as well so you're very welcome to continue the conversation on my podcast too <laughs> i would be delighted to thank you so much for the invitation before we come to a close uh, let's give a gift to the listeners and share with them where they can find you how they can find you and whatever social media channels you'd like to share Sure. If you see me, uh, you see my name already in the podcast title. So that is my name. Furkankareal.com is my website. And also you can find me on uh, diversein.com website, which is our uh, company's website. And I'm very active on LinkedIn. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we'll have those socials and website details in the show notes as well. So people will be able to find you from that also. It has been such a wonderful conversation and a gift and an honor to hear your experience, to have you share so openly and so honestly, and to spend time with somebody as courageous as you. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. It is necessary. The voice the actions and the honesty and the openness. It's an honor to know you. Uh, thank you so much, Christine. It's such an, a, an amazing experience having to share this podcast episode with you and very kind of you to say all these wonderful words, which makes me keep going now. So thank you. Definitely. Please do. Please do keep going. It's only just beginning. Great. For thank all you. Of us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listeners, that I am sure has been an inspiring conversation for you. I shouldn't say I'm sure because I'm contradicting myself. I can't say that I know for sure what's been inspiring for you, but I know that it was inspiring for me. If you are working in an industry or an organization and you're feeling some of the feelings Furkan has shared, you're experiencing that that sense of maybe confusion or, or feeling a little bit alone, please don't hesitate to reach out, whether it's to me to Furkan or to somebody else in your organization, there's always someone there to listen. If you're in an organization and you need more inclusive intelligence, well, now you know where to go. Please like and share the podcast, subscribe, rate it, review it. The more it's rated and reviewed, the more I can bring on wonderful guests like the wonderful Furkan today. And other than that, thanks for listening. 
Until next time, Banakti, Agas Puyatas. Thank you.